1: The advice given on this show is for informational purposes only. It is not intended as investment advice. Please consult a financial advisor before undertaking any investment decisions. While the show's producers have tried to provide accurate and timely information and have relied on sources they believe to be reliable, the show may include inadvertent technical or factual inaccuracies. Ken Smith and Ethan Broga do not warrant the accuracy or completeness of the materials provided and expressly disclaim any warranties or merchantability or fitness for a particular purpose. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. Fasten in your seatbelts. You're gonna need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life.
2: Good afternoon, everyone. This is Ken Smith, certified financial planner and CEO of Seattle-based wealth management firm, Empirical Wealth Management management. My co-host here, Ethan Broga. Hey, Ken. How you doing? Not bad. Ethan's a CFP with a master's degree in financial planning, advisor extraordinaire. (laughs) The purpose of this show is to help our listeners become better investors and make smarter financial decisions. We're looking to share ideas on how you can make a lot of money over the course of your lifetime. And uh, we're going to talk about a lot of ways to do that. That sounds great. Let's get right started. Let's do it. Well, we uh, start the show, we like to talk about, um, in our firm, we are looking to build a national presence around the country. We think we are changing the way that investment advice is delivered by putting our clients first and the way that we operate as an independent, fee-only fiduciary advisor. That's right. And uh, so, Ethan, I know you're going to tell a little bit about what we're looking for I in the love this music. <laughs> Advice for Advisors segment here.
3: Yeah, that's right. Uh, as Ken mentioned, we're looking to, to grow nationally, and we're intending to do that by adding qualified uh, individuals who are really passionate about doing what is right for the client, putting clients first. I think that's the first and foremost, most important thing that we're looking for. Um, and what I mean by that is that the way that we're compensated as advisors now and the way that we intend to set up the the, the expansion of our company is by adding um, experts who are <laughs> truly going to deliver unbiased advice to their clients and put their clients first. And what we are offering is is a, a very well-thought-out investment strategy, uh, a platform from which that advice can be given. Um, Ken, any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, and I, I think... You know, if you ask, why are we doing this? Um, Why do we, we're not a brokerage company that would have branches all over the country right? um, that's making markets and stocks or trading. Uh, It's because we believe the model that we've created, the model of how we look at investments through an evidence-based perspective, um, and the way we deliver the investment advice is truly what's best for the client and really is not being delivered on a massive scale um, by other firms out there, um, in the way that we're looking to do it. So, if you are a financial advisor, and preferably we, we look for advisors that have some credentials, such as the Certified Financial Planner designation, your CFA. There are there are other um, industry credentials that certainly are great mm-hmm. to have. Um, and you're looking to build a business, and you're an entrepreneur. That's what we're looking for, someone to be on the local ground in their area that can connect into Empirical. And um, what we'll be providing is the depth and breadth of the, the investment research, the compliance, okay. um, the materials that we've put together to help walk a client through all the things necessary to put an investment plan together and manage that plan and to do the financial planning part of what we do. Right. Okay. Yep, along with the, uh, the reporting and so forth as well. Exactly. If you're interested in that, uh, give us a call. You can call us here either for the radio show or just to talk to one of us at 1-800-254-0398. That's 1-800-254-0398. You can shoot us an email at contact at com. All right. Okay. Well, Ethan, let's uh, jump back to our... You know what? Last week we we didn't get to the vault. Right, we didn't have enough time. Section. So if you wouldn't mind uh, cracking open open the vault. Yeah, I'll, bri- force, I'll um, bring I'll bring back. Could you could you do that? Wait a second. It's, Is it? It might be jammed. It, I'm Not sure. You got it? No. It's wait a, a minute. Heavy. Hold on a second. Here we go. Okay. All right. I think you got it. No, I'm all right. Okay. You got? It? It. Well, I'm okay. You got the vault open, and I've got some items, and now we're gonna stick them in the vault. That's so the idea, right? We put stuff in the vault, and then later we look at it. If you're a first-time listener, um, that's what we're doing. Is we are we are we're taking market predictions and, and guru predictions, and uh, we're putting them in the vault. And um, what doesn't happen a lot in our industry is for these prognosticators to be held accountable to their predictions. Right. And in our first program, we talked about the Bill Gross example, thought the market was going to go down to 5,000. Never happened. Never even got close. Um, But yet the guy still has a job. (laughs) And and when
3: that happened, I mean, the the news was everywhere, right? Like, oh, Bill Gross thinks it's going to 5,000. Right. It wasn't wasn't just like a passing headline. I mean, people put a lot of stock on what he has to say because he's an eminent professional, I suppose. And his, his uh, voice carries some weight. So it is interesting that there wasn't any ever real follow-up from that. Yeah. People just tend to forget it if it doesn't come true. Yeah, that's right. And basically, if it does come true, they dig it out and, and say, oh, this is guy who, who predicted it.
2: So I've got my, my Barron's subscription here, my Barron's uh, paper. And, uh, you know, right off the cover story, they have um, a uh, uh, market strategist predict a 7% gain um, and collectively I say that the 10 strategists and investment managers surveyed, uh, and this is from the September 6th issue. So it's a couple weeks ago, but, uh, we didn't get to it on our last show. And I wanted to put this in the vault because the nice part about this one, most of the stuff we'll probably put in and maybe take out in a year, but they're making predictions for the end of the year. So what the market is going to do by the end of this year. Um, so at the time the standard pours was at, uh, uh, 11.05 and um, what what they're looking at as a collection of these 10 strategists is a consensus of about 7% increase in 500 uh, to the finish of the year which would put it around 11.84 now there are a couple of interesting things that as we put this into the vault we'll go back to it at the end of the year um, of these 10 analysts there was a, a pretty big range in terms of the prediction so some were saying that there could be a rally up to eighteen percent. While others were basically saying that the year will end flat, um, closer to eleven hundred. While those those uh, more bullish analysts are saying something around thirteen hundred. And if we look through this, I thought this is interesting because we talk about the noise that gets published in the me- in the financial media and how it can be very confusing. I think for investors to uh, to follow this advice particularly when you watch some of these shows um where they'll march or parade on a couple of a few different analysts and they'll a lot of times have exact opposite opinions and things
3: <laughs> i've noticed
2: that so when you're looking at this we've got what each of the 10 analysts from merrill lynch blackrock putnam credit swiss or credit suisse depending on how you want to pronounce that i, I guess. think it's
3: tomato tomato
2: Exactly. Barclays, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, Prudential, UBS, and J.P. Morgan are, are the analysts from each of these groups. and yeah. So we'll track what how close each of them come to the year-end prediction. But what I thought we'd also put in here is that um, the Merrill Lynch analyst, one of the, the three favorite sectors he has is, say, materials. So they give the favorite sectors and then the sectors they think you should avoid. And I thought it was kind of interesting because, well, that's his favorite. Um, the Credit Suisse analyst has only three to avoid, right? And materials
3: is one of the three. So one, one analyst is recommending it while the other analyst is saying don't, don't buy it.
2: Don't buy it. He he's
3: not, he's not, doesn't, doesn't have a neutral opinion. He's saying don't buy it
2: well it says avoid, avoid. i don't know what, what don't buy it means if that's the same um <laughs>
3: i think it's safe to say
2: but i would say yeah avoid means don't don't back up the truck on this one <laughs> right y- you know what i'm saying so the other one is the blackrock analyst is saying uh, go ahead and load up on healthcare or not load up i don't want to put words but favorite sectors are healthcare right um while you have the prudential analyst he only said avoid two. And I don't know how many sectors there, there are, but I, I'm venturing here to say that there's at least 20 different sectors that these guys follow. Yeah, probably. So it's kind of interesting that the, the BlackRock guy only recommended two. Only, he has two favorite, um, and the other guy only has two to avoid, right, the Prudential. And he's saying avoid healthcare, and the other one's saying that's his favorite sector. right? Um, telecom, uh, the Prudential guy's saying avoid telecom. And the Barclays guy is saying that's one of his three favorite sectors mm-hmm. out of the whole thing. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. this goes on here. Uh, the J.P. Morgan analyst basically says avoid consumer staples. But the Credit Suisse analyst, is, it's one of his favorite sectors. So I think it's pretty interesting um, because I don't know how an average individual, if they actually subscribe to any of this.
3: Well, I, I wouldn't even know how to make sense of it. Yeah. What would I do with that? I'm not sure what I'd do.
2: Mm, yeah, I'm not sure either. So, it's one of our things, though, that we've talked about when we said in one of the first shows, I said, hey, if you have f- 10,000 monkeys, right, and, uh, and all these monkeys are... <laughs> make, <what>? <laughs> <laughs> is that a new sound effect? What is going on here? Uh, yeah, making predictions that some of them are going to be right. No and, and this is what's going to happen. And you can put this down. We'll put this in the vault. Right. Um, and we'll lock it up nice and tight. But somebody's going to be They'll right. It in because it's if cool. someone's saying, there's an analyst saying buy healthcare and another, and another analyst somewhere saying avoid it, it's going to do good or bad relative to the stock market. But who do you think is going to get marched on to CNBC or one of these shows at the end of the period? It probably would be the one who, who after the fact, uh,
3: got to end up getting it Right.
2: Right. And they're not going to march all these other guys on the show. No, that
3: wouldn't make it very interesting, probably. So,
2: anywho, um, we're going to go ahead and put that in the vault. And uh, we'll come back at the end of the year. And uh, if you have any market predictions you want to give us, we'll track them. And uh, go ahead and email us at contact at com. We need to go ahead and take a break now, Ethan.
3: Actually, I think we have uh, ten, 50 seconds. Oh, we've
2: got some time. Simon says 50 Simon, seconds. Simon, uh... He was waving. I don't know if it was because of the monkey sounds, <laughs> <laughs> but I thought uh, thought we were at a text. Right. So we'll go ahead and put that in the vault. Yeah, and like I
3: was saying, if um, if you come across some specific and measurable uh, market predictions, we'd love to hear about them. Go ahead and send them to contact at empiradio.com radiocom or uh, if you want to leave us a message, that'd be fine too. That's
2: eight hundred two five four zero three nine eight. So Ethan, you you made an excellent point. That went along with this, which was, if you're looking, if you have a, a view, you'll find somebody that will back your view. As we get that a lot, right?
3: Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, we were talking about it before the show, and you know, you can always find support for your particular point of view. It's generally called the confirmation bias. So maybe we can talk more about that after the break or some other time. Here.
2: Okay, let's do it. We'll be back.
1: Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now, toll free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network.
4: Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor, or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, portfolio manager with Empirical Wealth Management. Inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at EmpiricalFS.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com.
1: From the worlds of business, entertainment, health, and politics, enjoy intimate interviews and spirited roundtable discussions with Tanya's guest experts and friends. Tanya may be best known for her Emmy-nominated role as Alex from ABC TV's One Life to Live, but she's also an award-winning film and Broadway producer with a passion for straight, honest journalism. So don't miss Straight Talk Live with Tanya Walker, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel.
2: You want to know the inside scoop on how today's leaders do business? How they hire and develop top talent? How do they retain top employees and customers? Tune in to Leadership Leverage on the Voice America Business Channel. Every week, Dr. Robert Denker will offer ideals and facilitate discussion with guests that will help shape today's up and coming leaders as well as established leaders in their fields. Listen for Leadership Leverage every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan.
2: All righty then. All right, we're back. This is Ken Smith, Certified Financial Planner, and your host of Empirical Radio with Ethan Brogo. Hey, Ken. Hey. Good to be back. Hey, before the break, uh, Ethan, we were we were just uh, talking about a psychological bias uh, called confirmation bias. We didn't quite define it, but yeah. um, we were putting some uh, predictions in the vault from some of the analysts that uh, Barron's polled. And you had made a point earlier in the day when we were talking that um, we noticed with clients and individuals, um, and it has been well documented, that there's this psychological characteristic called confirmation bias, where if you are a negative person about the stock market, you will, you will search and find and tend to gravitate and believe in the articles that you come across that are more negative. Exactly right. If you're an optimist, you'll tend to find books or, or things that, that really support your particular view.
3: Exactly right, the confirmation bias is uh, it 's more or less a, a tendency for people to favor information that confirms their their preconceptions um, whether information is is true or not
2: so the purpose of this show is to help you make more money in your investing, so how can we how can a person take that knowledge and turn it into better investment decisions?
3: <laughs> I like that sound effect uh,
2: well, one of the things that we do um,
3: is. I think probably the one of the biggest value adds for our clients is that we subscribe to the evidence-based investing idea that if it can't be substantiated through independent third-party evidence, we we don't believe it. We don't we don't hold it as true just because it's been said.
2: So, we're looking at when we tend to make a decision around our portfolio, we look at it from the sense of is there evidence that exists in academia in third-party unbiased research work that has been done in the, partic- in the field,
4: mm-hmm.
2: um, and then we look for opposing views of that. Right. Um, and we're not typically making those decisions in the heat of the moment under some emotional pressure.
3: Or duress, huh? Yeah.
2: So that's a much better way of, of approaching it.
3: Yeah, in terms of making consistently smart financial decisions, uh, our view is certainly that uh, relying on an evidence-based approach is likely to yield better results.
2: And that seems to be substantiated in the returns studies on different um, investing approaches. Yep. Well, Ethan, let's um, let's jump into a little news. There was a few things uh, last week I wanted to cover okay. um, that uh, we didn't quite get to. So um, this That's was good. just in. Goldman Sachs is fined in the UK, according to the Wall Street Journal. September 9, actually, Goldman Sachs agreed to pay a fine of nearly $31 million in U.S. to the United Kingdom's financial service and concede that the company made a mistake in regulatory disclosures about trader Fabrice, and i do not not sure how to pronounce the last name, Ture, um or Tour, according to people familiar with the situation. And this individual is a London-based trader, as you may recall, that was at Goldman, who was accused of fraud in April... In a lawsuit by the SEC, and in that Goldman agreed in July to pay 550 million dollars wow. to settle SEC civil charges against the company. Uh, Mr. Toure, Tore or Tour, is is fighting the allegations. But uh, as a part of the announcement expected Thursday, Goldman uh, will acknowledge an error in not informing the UK's main financial re- regulator. Uh, that Mr. Touré was under SEC scrutiny at the time that he moved to Goldman's U.K. subsidiary. And it goes on to to talk about that. Um, Now, on the show, from time to time, as these things occur, we're going to continue to bring these kinds of headlines to the attention of our listeners. And I'm not making any, I mean, I don't know, it's our position, we're not legal experts here, to make any assumptions of guilt or... um, any of those kinds of things but we do notice that a large of the a lot of these large institutions continue to get fined and agree to pay these to pay fines right uh, for the behavior that goes on inside of these firms mm-hmm. and i guess my advice again we're talking about how to help our listeners make better financial decisions is if they're offering personal money management whoever the firm is, whatever it is. Um, and Ethan, I'm going to put this question to you. Does it matter if they're constantly in the news for what might be considered unscrupulous behavior?
3: Sure. I, would, I think it would matter to me. Um, I mean, there's lots of lawsuits out there. They happen all the time. We we get notifications once in a while of you know uh, mutual funds that have done things that, whether they admitted to it or not, or it was actually found guilty, but they, they end up settling for certain amounts of money. The after-hours I, trading yeah, deal... Um, Referring to the Janus stuff, uh, mutual funds stuff, early early in the two thousands, um, Merrill Lynch has gotten fined over the years, different different times, different amounts for different things. Um, it's it seems to be a bit pervasive in the industry. I mean, it's something that happens a lot frequently, and it, in no doubt, creates a, I, I would think some mistrust, uh, a lot of times in the industry, which is unfortunate, right? Because people actually do need financial help, and they don't really know who to turn to sometimes.
2: Well, what baffles me, I guess, is that these. And again, we're not pointing out any individual firm. You named one, but there are several. Right. All of the major firms are, you know, and we'll track them and read these headlines as they come out. It just baffles me that they continue to manage billions of dollars of individual investors' monies, but in often cases they are the victims of what what's going on. Right. Uh, it seems
3: to me uh, ex- especially prevalent. Uh, maybe this is incorrect in my part. Just my gut feeling tells me that it's a lot of has to do with the proprietary types of funds, right? I mean,
2: well. I think what was going on in the tech bubble, right, where a lot of people got hurt. One one area was that you had analysts who were recommending securities that they really didn't think were that great, Mm -hmm. or they thought were horrible securities. That's true. um, But they wanted the investment banking business. That's true. That's I think it's the case
3: of Merrill Lynch back in in two thousand and two, where they were um, they set up for a hundred million dollar fine
2: for publishing misleading research, basically. And that's I think that's what you're alluding to. So, I'm, again, it just baffles me that they continue to have assets um, when historically this stuff has continued to go on. Right. Um, and we are financial advisors. And sometimes when this stuff goes on, it gives, it can put a black mark on and examples of the Bernie Madoff situation. Sure, um, And I think what we want to get across is there are many, many... Very ethical and good advisors out there, and I think one way of assuring that the advice that you're getting, um, because we believe almost everyone should have some form of advice, yep, um, is to make sure that the the advice is based um, in a as as much as possible in a conflict-free zone. Right, um, and it may not even be the individual at the firm. Who has a direct conflict in their composition, compensation for example if I was a broker at one of these investment banks I might be giving advice to purchase a security in all good faith because I don't know what's going on behind the scenes with the investment banking and can happen. the analysts who are writing the recommendations it's not like they would necessarily call me and say hey we really think this is a piece of garbage you know what I mean that this, this stock is is garbage but yet you know we still need you to sell it Right, you know what I'm saying? Right, exactly. So just want to make that point.
3: I would say that one more thing on that, or just really quick. One way you can kind of, uh, doesn't eliminate all the risk or, or any potential, all potential problems, but certainly being, um, uh, having an advisor who doesn't custody assets would be one way to help reduce the likelihood of something, something wrong happening. And then secondly, having the same advisor not use proprietary products. Those are, are some good ways to help, I think, filter uh, and select
2: advisors to work with. Well, that's a great point because we 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 did write a little communication about working with an advisor and protecting your assets, and what went wrong with the with the Madoff situation, and that was one of those things. That, yeah. Well, he had custody. Right? Custody, right? Um, yeah. He was printing and producing the statements that were going out. Um, the 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 auditor that he had was a guy, you know, in a. A small, one-man kind of show. Basically,
3: that's right. Yeah. yeah so in the Bernie Madoff situation, he, uh, he was the custodian. He was also the manager. In other words, using in-house products, and then thirdly, he was the person producing the statement. So
2: there really was no, no real independent audit going on anywhere. There was really not a lot of checks and balances in that situation. Exactly. So, and we, here in Seattle, there's been some uh, big news about a real estate, uh, private real estate investment group that committed fraud. You know, basically they didn't have the money that they stated that they did have and the returns that the investors were getting. And some local advisors had had placed client money and they wound up, you know, showing up in the press in this situation. And the way that we operate, um, we use an independent custodian. We're not utilizing investments that allow some party to take custody or physical possession um, of those assets. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something when you get involved in that, you have to be very, very careful of. Yep. Okay. Well, Ethan, we are um, we're going to move right along into the uh, the next segment, the main topic, or the meat of the week, meat of the week, as it were. But we've only we got about a minute <coughs> before the break. Before the break, and um, so what we were talking, about, we'll just maybe dive in here on the on the uh, when we come back. We're a list of things that investors can do right now um, to get back on track after going through the recent market downturn and as we emerge from this financial uh, the financial crisis and the, and the subsequent bear market. So let's uh, let's take a break and then we'll uh, we'll come back and get to that. Sounds good. Okay.
1: Or perhaps you've already started one and want ideas, inspiration, and encouragement. Tune in to Nonprofit Spark with your host, Renee McGivern. Our program will feature as guests the leaders of emerging nonprofits who will share what works for them. We also will hear from experts who offer advice to make your jobs easier. Tune in to Nonprofit Spark, and together we'll create a world that works for everyone. Nonprofit Spark airs live Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: If you're looking to improve your business results and get the truth about your business performance, then tune in each week to the Smart Behaviors Radio Show with host Joe Takish. Each week, a high-profile guest with a proven track record will discuss successful behaviors that will improve your business objectives and your bottom line. Tune in to the Smart Behaviors Radio Show every Friday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan.
2: All right, we're back. Good to be back, Ethan. All right. Before we... uh dive back into the meat of the week. Um, you want to go ahead and uh, give them the contact
3: information? or Yeah, if anything? you have a question uh, or would like to discuss some financial topic on the air or have us discuss it, uh, we'd love to hear from you. And you can leave us a message on our number. It's 800-254-0398. And uh, this is a recorded show today. Um, so the, the live number that the announcer previously gave out Probably won't work uh, today anyway. Uh, but again, the, the number to reach us is 800 398 and we would love to hear from you.
2: And uh, we are going to have some great guests coming up um, on the show. So, in the next few weeks, we're going to get back into um, interviewing authors and uh, academics and some of the leaders in the field of finance. You know, again, our goal here is to bring the best ideas for you to make. Better investment decisions and make more money. That's right. And uh, ultimately allowing you to reach your financial objectives. That's what we want to do. And um, so let's move into... Ethan, go ahead. No, go ahead, sir. Oh, okay. My I mistake. I, I you were saying something. Uh, let's go ahead and move into what you so um, eloquently described as the meat of the week. <laughs> Oh, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
3: I guess the idea with this part of the show um, was to communicate. This is sort of the maybe the highest impact stuff of the show, the real the real meat of the subject is what so the idea was. So we came up with the, the title Meat of the Week. And
2: if you've not been paying attention, now's the time to sharpen the pencil. <laughs> That's right. Get your notepad out. Get your notepad and, and really prepare because this is where the big dollars are going to be made. Right. Okay. Well, okay. Last week, we had covered about five of the first steps um, you know, of man- decisions that you can make to manage your money now. Um, and part of that is the lessons that we may have learned going through the last market downturn. And a lot of times people, I think, learn the wrong lessons. So a wrong lesson, an example of a of a wrong lesson to have learned is I'm not going to invest anymore. I can't take it. Um, when ultimately they hadn't put the proper steps or the proper things in place to have a successful investment plan in the beginning. Um, so an example: buying all technology stocks at the height of the the tech bubble. Right. And then going through the bubble and losing sub- substantial amounts of money and then saying, well, I'm not going to invest in stocks. Right. That wouldn't be a prudent way to approach it. Right. So we talked about starting with updating your financial plan, understanding your capacity to take risk, understanding your risk tolerance, reviewing all of that now, creating a written investment policy statement. We talked about not changing your asset allocation based on market movements, mm-hmm. but rather, and more importantly, based on changes in your personal circumstances. Yep. Where we're at now is number six on our list, which is rebalance your portfolio systematically. You want to talk about that? Yeah, sure, let's talk about that. that well, let's do it, then. Rebalance your portfolio systematically. That, that,
3: to me, that means that you would rebalance your portfolio in a way that uh, you which removed... The emotions behind it. It's a systematic way to make sure you have uh, consistent exposure to the asset classes you've decided to include in your portfolio.
2: So, how would that have worked out in this last downturn and where we to where we are today? Yeah. Well, there's two ways really to rebalance, in my view.
3: Um, if you've decided on an allocation, let's say you're you're a moderate investor, you have half stocks and half bonds in your portfolio. Um, there's really two ways to do it. You can do what's called a simple calendar rebalance. So you can pick a date on the calendar and rebalance every quarter, every you know, every half year, every six months, or, or even every year. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that would work reasonably well. You'll be sure that most of the time you're actually pretty close to your targeted allocation, which means that the, your, the, the target allocation is a reflection of the, um, the returns that you're targeting and the risk you're willing to, to, to take to get those returns. So being consistent in applying that is important. Right. So the calendar rebalance is one way to do it. Um, a more sophisticated way is to do what we call threshold rebalancing, where you have assigned certain targets for each asset class, each component of your portfolio. And if that threshold is uh, breached on the downside or upside, you simply rebalance right. at that time.
2: If you're working with an advisor, I think a, a combination of those two methods are what we use because we have the sophisticated trading software to make that easy. Right. Um, I think for the average person out there, a, a simple uh, calendar process of rebalancing, and the, from the studies I've looked at, you know, you don't need to do it every single month. You know, right? That's that's too much. It doesn't tend to add much in return. And if you're dealing with taxes and transaction costs, it's it can be detrimental. You can actually lose returns to those types of expenses. So. Um, Quarterly at most, annual would be fine for most people. I think where people got get caught is when they don't do it at all. Right, and they forget about it, and then they wind up being overexposed to a particular asset class um, at the worst possible time. Yeah, and doing the, uh, the threshold
3: rebalancing has the advantage, in my view, of when you go through real difficult markets like we just did in 2008, 2009, um, if you're dealing with thresholds, you end up doing exactly what you want to do from a conceptual perspective. You end up buying stocks when they're cheaper, right? And selling selling bonds. And then as things recover, you have more money already at work for you. So for our clients, uh, that's for the most
2: part how it worked out. Yeah. I mean, as the market was going down, now a lot of people psychologically, especially as the market's going down, and it seems very predictable, right? Once it starts going and then continues after you feel that initial pain or that gut feeling, oh, jeez, I should get out. Should I get out, should I not get out? After it continues to go down, it seems very predictable. And you you really kick you know, because you didn't get out. But mm-hmm. it makes it more and more difficult to say, hey, I'm going to pull money out of bonds that have been the, the good performing asset class, right. hopefully, and put it into equities, which just seem to continue to free fall, right? That mm-hmm. takes an enormous amount of discipline. And really then does. within your equities, to, to target those areas that have fallen the most, so say it was emerging markets during the downturn, Right, they got hit really hard. And when we were rebalancing, um, we were buying more of the emerging market sector than the rest of the, the, the components. Now, ultimately, from the March 9th low through the subsequent return, mm-hmm. emerging markets rebounded up to the peak we hit back in I think April of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, those were up 90 plus percent some of those emerging markets Yeah. Up from funds. The bottom. Yeah. Um, and so by rebalancing and allocating more it made the recovery of our client accounts much faster. Yeah. Than if you pulled money out of equity and never never rebalanced. Right? And exactly. That's the magic of it. It it helps you maintain your risk exposures that you wanted. So that when you're going through a, a bull market, you may be giving up some return by selling down stocks to buy to buy bonds, but you're keeping your risk managed. Mm-hmm. And on the opposite side of the coin, as the market's declining, you're redeploying some of that capital in an area when it does rebound. That's how the market works typically. It's not 10% a year in stocks every single year. You know, It's a year of 50% mm-hmm. and another year of a loss of 20%. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I would add one more thing to this, too. Yeah. Being able to stick with your,
3: your allocation through thick and thin is really one of the, in my view, the determinants of, of investment success. If you don't have the confidence or the knowledge of your own chosen investment strategy, you're, you're likely to abandon it when things do get rough. That's right. And you're like, yeah, I can't take this anymore. I'm going to pull the plug. I'm, I'm out of here. Whereas if you had a really a structured way to determine whether or not your, your investment strategy is, is prudent or not in the first place,
2: well, you'd be more apt to stick with it given the hard times when they occur. That's right. And it only takes one. I mean, when you look at these studies about if you miss the 10 best days in the stock market, it substantially reduces the returns you receive. Yeah. Um, With all the noise and the nonsense that goes on in the media, it blows my mind that the things that really work... To help people make more money are, are not talked about or they're downplayed as if they're ridiculous, childish thing.
3: Yeah, like everybody knows this information. Yeah. Right? All of, sudden, all of a sudden, everybody knows it, everybody's doing it. That's not the same thing. Not true at all. No, not at all.
2: Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that whole idea of the herd mentality and right. the discussion about that. But uh, okay, well, that was number six. We've got several of things here that can help you get on track. Uh, next, number seven invest for the long run which is your entire life. Right.
3: You want to you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, most people's time horizons um, are long. I mean, <laughs> people live to be 80, 90 years old these days. And, you know, if you're 65, you've retired, you still have a very, very long time horizon. And you should invest with that time horizon in mind and and try not to be focused on the next one or two years of returns. Invest with a strategy that has proven itself long-term to be successful. And if you need money or returns in the short-term, well, you need to invest those more conservatively.
2: And I I read somewhere, Ethan, that for the average investor when it comes to their risk tolerance, um, they say they may come to you or they may be fooling themselves when things are good and say, hey, my time horizon is a long time. It's several years out. But when the market begins to decline like we just had, their time horizon suddenly shrinks in their mind. And for the average investor, what I read is it's about one year. Mm -hmm. That's about how long in the patience that we have as individuals. And we'll talk a lot about this whole behavioral finance and the psychology of investing. But ultimately, you have to know and realize in your own mind that even if you are 60, 70, 80 years old, you still have a time horizon that is your expected your expected life, your life expectancy. Right. And sometimes it's even beyond that if you have legacy goals to pass on to future generations or to charities or other things. So it, I, I hear it a lot, this idea of, um, well, I don't have that kind of time to wait for the market to recover. Well, in this case, the market recovered pretty substantially in about a 12-month period. We've got to take a break, Ethan. That's right. Let's pick up on this and, uh, and the other money-making ideas that people can implement right now when we get back.
1: Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
4: Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, portfolio manager with Empirical Wealth Management. Inviting you to contact us at 1 800 923 4307. That's 1 800 923 4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E M P I R I C A L F S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com.
1: Get ready for Straight Talk Live with Tanya Walker. From the worlds of business, entertainment, health, and politics, enjoy intimate interviews and spirited roundtable discussions with Tanya's guest experts and friends. Tanya may be best known for her Emmy-nominated role as Alex from ABC TV's One Life to Live, but she's also an award-winning film and Broadway producer with a passion for straight, honest journalism. So don't miss Straight Talk Live with Tanya Walker, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at EMPIRadio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan.
2: You better believe it. <laughs> All right, we're back. That was a great we're break. back on. Well, Ethan, let's, let's, we don't have a lot of time, and we're trying to help people make substantial quantities of money. That's the right. sound investment advice sound investment advice that's what we're all about here um as you know we were we were in the meat of the week <laughs> what is that yeah, the, what uh, is that well that's a cowbell <laughs> i love that so i haven't heard that before but, you know i like to keep you surprised that's keep funny. it fresh keep the spark in the relationship meat of the week you know all right I mean? <laughs> it's the same routine i love it there's no fun in that okay well we were uh, we were talking about uh, investing for the long run, using your lifespan as your time frame. And uh, either when you look at that and you say, geez, in any one year, we know that if it was an all-stock portfolio, or whatever the portfolio mix is, the dispersion or the the amount of um, ups and downs around the long-term average is very large. So it might be up 50%, might be down 50% in a year. That's right. As we move out in time to 5, 10, 15, 20, and 30 years plus, the difference in returns from best return periods to, to worst return periods, it narrows substantially. Quite a bit. So you have to be a lifelong investor, because I think where people give up returns and lose and wind up having very poor long-term successful experiences is when they don't look at their time horizon as their entire life. Right. Okay. Anything to add on that? Did we did we flog that that horse?
3: I feel comfortable with what we've done so far. On that.
2: Okay. Number number uh, eight on our list here, Ethan, is don't give up on diversification. It works. Yeah. And um, what we mean by that is there was a lot of chatter, a lot of nonsensical chatter that goes on with the financial gurus of sorts, I guess you could say, about this idea that during this last downturn, because a lot of different areas of the stock market around the world went down at one time, um, that that was never supposed to happen and that people who said to diversify as opposed to, I guess, owning, putting all your money in one basket or one stock Mm -hmm. or one stock market, um... As opposed to doing that, people who say to diversify were were proven wrong. And that diversification failed and it doesn't work. Right. And uh, I think you and I would say that is a, a bunch of nonsense.
3: <laughs> yes, that's true. Right? I would say that's, that it is nonsense. It's ridiculous. You're saying you mean, diversification includes... Oh, do you have a sound effect for that? Well,
2: I want to say shame on the people who... Well, that's not the one I wanted. <laughs> I wanted to say... Um, let me my sound effects. Here, here we go. Yes, exactly. Shame but, on people who say that. They right. are clearly do not know their market history, and they don't know what they're talking about. right? Um,
3: I mean, Did people who had bonds in their portfolio, maybe they had half bonds, half stocks, experience uh, the full brunt of the downturn? No. That's diversification, isn't it? Sure it is. And then on the recovery side of things, when the stocks started to go up again, did all stocks recover at the same rate? No. No, and did all stocks decline at the same rate?
2: No, they didn't. Oh. So, yeah, if you owned a portfolio that included U.S. stocks, international stocks, emerging market stocks, large, small, it's likely you experienced a decline. And you may have even experienced a greater decline than if you just owned the S&P 500. For that one year? Yeah, you bet. That one year. Now, that doesn't mean that diversification failed because what diversification does is it prevents you from losing money because of one small segment or sector of the market goes down right Mm -hmm. so if i own one stock say enron or washington mutual or any long list of other failed companies diversification protected me even though we had a technology bubble that popped and stocks went down as a whole right Mm -hmm. 2000 2001 2002 being Properly diversified protected me from losing 80% of my money or all of my money in some cases. Right. Right. And so you still had a portfolio, even going through this last crisis, that you could recover from. So, as all things go down, um, if anything, you should recognize that, hey, going forward, this is the reason I expect to get a premium if I'm exposing myself to stock over owning treasury bonds or CDs. Um, and as you pointed out, you diversify across these different asset classes because you don't know when markets do recover when you have positive returns. You don't know exactly which segment of the market is going to be doing the best. Yep, It's virtually impossible to predict that. And no one has a consistent, at least statistically valid track record of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, in a format that, that we know individual investors could get access to. Yeah. And then
3: one other thing, looking at the, uh, you know, it really is the length of time in which you're looking at diversification. It looked like all the correlations in in 2008, the crisis basically went to one, but, you know, they were already pretty highly correlated and they right. were positively correlated. So it isn't much of a surprise that they generally move in, in the same direction. It's just a matter of which, what speed they travel, more or less. That's right. But looking over longer periods of time, And through market cycles, looking over the last decade, for example, the difference in return between the S&P 500 and the rest of the available asset classes um, for for people to invest in is substantial. You know, it's a slightly negative return with the S&P for the last 10 years. Well, it's the only one of the major equity asset classes that is negative. Right. All
2: of the rest of them are positive still. So, in my view, the financial crisis in this last downturn, it should only increase and strengthen your view that you need to be diversified, not weaken or change that view, because the opposition is that you're not diversified. Right. Um, And that's never a good idea.
3: The consequences for not diversifying um, are significant. I mean, if you're you're wrong, if you bet wrong, and that's essentially what you're doing. If you aren't diversified, you're placing heavy bets on a particular part of the market or even a particular stock. If you're wrong,
2: it will probably be an irrecoverable loss. The better thing to do is to... your risk exposures, we talked about in these earlier steps, and get the right mix of stocks and bonds and then stay disciplined in the rebalancing. But stay diversified. That is how you're going to make the most money in the long run. Yep. Okay, next. Don't, number nine we have here, don't build your portfolio to avoid the last crisis. And now we only have one minute, Ethan. We better hurry and talk. Okay. No, I'm kidding. Maybe we should give out our contact. Let's do that. Okay, we'll get back to this, we promise, because this is good stuff. It's pure gold, Jerry, gold. It is gold. You, you don't want to miss it. So <laughs> um, tune in and check the archives to listen to the last show to get the other steps we talked about. Contact us at Empirical. If you are an individual looking to have an advisor that you can trust, that's going to have your best interests in mind and has the ability to manage your portfolio and, and your financial planning needs, no matter where you're at in the country, give us a call. is the number here at Empirical. If you're calling about the radio program, you want to leave us a message, give us a call at 1-800-254-0398 or email us at contact at empiradio.com. Our investment firm's website is empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L fs.com. Thank you, and have a great week. We'll see you soon. Talk to you later. Bye.
1: We hope you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll see you next week. The advice given on this show is for informational purposes only. It is not intended as investment advice. Please consult a financial advisor before undertaking any investment decisions. While the show's producers have tried to provide accurate and timely information and have relied on sources they believe to be reliable, the show may include inadvertent technical or factual inaccuracies. Ken Smith and Ethan Broga do not warrant the accuracy or completeness of the materials provided and expressly disclaim any warranties or merchantability or fitness for a particular purpose.